Today is the fourth and final episode in our Practical Tips interview series where we are talking with product managers about their approach to prioritization, what are the key relationships they build inside their company, how they create and communicate roadmaps, and how consistent they try to be as a product manager with their other product manager peers inside their company. Welcome to the Product Fits Podcast, where we keep it real practical about product management and how we can start out and grow together as product managers. I'm happy to have back on the show my friend Andrew Young to share with us some of his practical tips. Andrew is one of about eight product managers at Divi, and he very recently publicly launched his product. And here's our chat. What prioritization techniques have you used and have come to prefer? So I think prioritization is obviously a really critical role for a product manager. And I think everybody does it a little bit differently. And I think I've done it differently over the years as I've learned and grown in product management. One, one method that I've come to come to use is kind of modeled off of what, um, what intercom does they call the rice score r-i-c-e i've kind of modified that and built my own kind of version of that Um, essentially what you would do is you evaluate a few different aspects one one reason why i like this kind of algorithm method is because you can consider lots of different factors at once but i don't but i but i would just want to preface that and say that i don't rely on it 100 percent. i think it's really informative but i don't think it should be the only thing you you rely on um more or less the way that i calculate my score when i'm thinking about new features or opportunities is 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 i take the r which would be like reach so how how broadly or how wide reached is this feature opportunity going to to be um applicable for in in the target market um, and then the I, I think about the impact, meaning meaning the customer impact. So I kind of take those two from from Intercom and in, in their Rice Score. Impact would would mean kind of like how much value is added to the customer, how much friction is removed, or what kind of problems are solved there. And then and then I I like to balance that out against the business value. So I kind of take from a Rice model and I go to Rise. So I take the next input as like a strategic item or more more or less what the business impact is so i'm thinking about themes like what will this do to the business will it impact our revenue will it impact our profitability will it help us get over key sales objective objections or strengthen our market position so i'm looking at those those three factors and i'm and i'm giving basically just a score um, I usually just keep it simple and evaluate it from one to five, five being very high, one being very low. And then I multiply those together and then divide by the fourth item, the E, which is effort, kind of a rough stab at how hard the feature is going to be to build. And based on those scores, I'll, I'll kind of look at that and use that as input or a way to help inform the way I think about my roadmap. I, I, I definitely don't take it as 
a really strict way of prioritizing. But I think it's really interesting when you look at the extremes after you go through an exercise like that, you look at which features or opportunities end up rising to the top and which ones jump to the bottom. And you start to realize, okay, wow, some of these things I was thinking about really aren't probably going to move the needle either for us as a business or for our customers. And it's just an interesting exercise. I think a lot of times when you're prioritizing your, your backlog or your roadmap, you, you still have to take into consideration a lot of just very logistical things. If you're building things that have dependencies on other areas and you kind of have to get creative working with your engineers and in figuring out what sequences will make sense and what you can launch and then at what points in, in a process you can you can or should add enough value to release or launch to your customers. So I think it takes a lot of creativity and it, it takes it takes a lot of collaboration as well. But um, that's that's kind of one method that I've that I've looked at in the past. Kind of creating sort of an algorithmic score, but but again, it's it's more of an art than a science. Mm-hmm. And like even even over time, I'll look back and evaluate the scores that I gave to features, and I'll kind of modify and change those. And I think there's still a lot of subjectivity for how I'm ranking or scoring those different aspects. But I think at least I have an opportunity to understand and break apart those different aspects that I think are valuable in prioritization. And I can I can have a discussion or a debate about, you know, how I've scored something. Should this be a five or should this be a, a, a three or, or something along those lines? Uh, one thing that I've done in the past that I think has had pretty good success when I've, when I've leveraged it is, is I've asked different departments to maintain their own top 10 list of things that they would, they would want. Um, so sales keeps track of their own top 10 list. Uh, customer success could keep track of their own, you know, support team could have their own top 10 list. And then you kind of got to evaluate across all of the different departments, what things, what things everyone's asking for. And it's, it's fascinating doing that exercise how different their top 10 lists will be. You know, supports list will often be very different from the sales list, for example. But, but I think that's, that's part of what makes the job fun and challenging and difficult is, is trying to consider all of the different points of view and, and what adds value to, to different, different people. And, and, you know, your job as a product manager is to, is to consider all of those points of view and determine which things are really going to make the most difference. And um, I would recommend periodic reviews with them where with the different departments to say, okay, let's review your top 10. And then you can kind of compare that against what you have in your, in your roadmap and some of the upcoming things you're working on and help align on, you know, why you, why you're choosing to do things differently from what they thought. And I think things like that help build trust with other departments that you are hearing them out and you are listening to them, you are taking, you know, their, their perspective into consideration. And, and I think if, if you and they are both doing, you know, if you're both listening to customers and, and doing your, and in doing your due diligence, I think you'll, you'll probably end up finding that your list will start to align over time as you work more closely with other departments and get on the same page with what different issues and challenges are. What key relationships would you build first as a new product manager at a company? So I, in my opinion, I think it's sales and customer success or your account management team, if that's what you call it. Um, 
at least from a from a B2B kind of standpoint, that's what I would say. Um, sales, I think, is really critical um, to really get in the trenches with them, listen in on sales calls, join them, help help sell the product, you know, be really involved with what they're doing. Um, so not not only the sales leadership, but you know, make really good contacts with with a lot of the really opinionated sales sales reps that you have at your company. Just I mean, I, I think it's so critical to be in the trenches with them and help them know that you're on the same team with them and you're not, you're not trying to build something that's not going to help them, but you really want to help your sales reps be successful too. Um, I think that's a big, I think that's a big deal. I think there's, there's usually a really negative stigma against, you know, being sales driven, um, at least as a product development strategy. I think if, if you as a product manager can really work closely with the sales team, though, you can get in front of that and, and be aligned with them on what things are needed uh, so that you're not, you're not, you know, kind of held hostage too much to what, what the next big deal comes across the table and, you know, just building features towards that. Also working with your account management or customer success teams and staying close on what existing customers need. Uh, same deal. Just be in the trenches with them. Let them know that you're reaching out to customers. You know, go do customer visits with your with your account management team. Get on the road with them. I think the more you can build that rapport and relationship working with your teams internally, that will go a long way so that, you know, the rest of your company knows that you're an advocate for building things that are going to make them more successful. Things that will help them hit their, hit their quotas. I mean, that's obviously something really top of mind for any any anyone who carries a quota and you know if they know that you're on the same team with them and you want to help you want to help them and um, I think that goes a long ways how do you create and communicate your roadmap so roadmaps are always a hot topic I think amongst product managers what a lot of your organization wants is clarity on timing so that they can be prepared and know how it will impact them and timing is often the hardest thing for for you to get a, you know a reliable estimate on it's it's challenging as you work with engineering i mean i think for the most part everything you're building is something that's never been done before so it, you know it gets tricky to 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 be really precise and accurate i've i've tried different formats over time one thing that we're doing um at divi right now is we're we're building our roadmaps um, and we, we have like a, a public kind of wiki page where we're updating our roadmaps internally. And we will, we will kind of communicate what's in progress, what we think is up next, and then what's longer, longer term out. Anything that we kind of put into the next up kind of on deck queue, we try to communicate an expectation of, of when we would estimate that that, that feature thing is going to be ready. Um, so we've we've kind of modified or moved away from trying to just lay out, you know, all of the months for the next year or two and mapping out what we think is going to be there and then and then letting everybody down and in <laughs> timing and expectations. But um, but I think it is really critical. As much as hard as it is to get the right dates, I think it's the right exercise for you to go through as a product manager and trying to remove that ambiguity and add more clarity as, as much as you can. I think it's fair game to communicate a range on expected 
dates, especially the further out the feature is. So you could say, um, you know, either the, the end of November or the early part of December, I think it's fair to give ranges. But obviously, as you get closer and closer to a release date, you should try to try to be as precise as you can to help people in the rest of your company and and externally if you're working with other customers help help everybody stay on the same page and know what they should expect from a change management standpoint um, those are those are a few thoughts but yeah roadmap roadmap is is a tricky trippy tricky topic because no one no one likes having the wrong expectation set you also don't want to necessarily sandbag all the time um, you want to try to be as accurate as you can you would obviously rather exceed expectations on when you deliver something as, as opposed to um, being slower than expected those are a couple thoughts that help another thing that i think helps when communicating roadmap is is maybe not communicating it by by features that you're going to get you know, this is a feature I want. That's the next feature we're going to do after that. But sometimes communicating, kind of abstracting away from that a little bit and communicating by themes or different outcomes you want to drive towards. So, you know, for next quarter, like maybe you don't, maybe you don't mention what exact features you want, but maybe communicate, okay, here's the outcome we want. We're going to work on, um, we're going to improve customer retention. Like that's going to be our, our theme and focus. So you could start to communicate more by themes as opposed to different features as well, if that's helpful for you. I think in a lot of cases that that those themes or opportunities or or outcomes could be a really useful way of communicating, especially where when there's when you as a product manager and your design teams still have a lot of discovery to do to really be sure about what the features, what the exact features are that you're building. Kind of divvy between you and the other product managers. How consistent do you try to be amongst yourselves as peers, as product managers? I think there's a lot of variance in how we approach things. I think some of that is based on who we are as individual product managers. And, and I think some of it is even different based on what areas of our products we work on. Um, what, what's appropriate in, in my area might be really different from others. But I think in a, we're probably more similar than, than different. I think we have a good good leadership team from like a an operational standpoint where we communicate. We do a lot of things in a very similar approach too, um, and I think that's where where you. I think we'll have a lot of differences at tactical levels and how we execute on some of our prioritization. But from an operational standpoint, we're more similar than different. We have a lot of this a lot of similar processes where where we will review our product periodically with leadership teams and we'll go through all of the current challenges and issues that we're working towards and align on roadmap and, and other things that need to happen. And the way we communicate roadmap is very consistent between teams. Um, even some of the tactical things around how we structure like our, our JIRA boards and things like that are, are pretty, pretty consistent across product managers. Um, but I think in a lot of ways, the way we go about doing research and discovery and how we how we think about the market has probably got a lot of variance between us. And, and I think that's okay. And I think that's I think that's a good thing. But I think you know, the bigger your teams get, the more the more your your leadership wants to see different standardized reporting on how you do things. You you tend to 
standardize more and more, I think, as you grow. Andrew, I'm so happy you were willing to join us again and share more. It really helps us all. And you can hear more from Andrew, specifically about his early experiences as a product manager back in episode 10.